Savon Springer is the owner and founder of Native Assets. Any views expressed by Savon or his guests are their own thoughts and opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Native Assets or the guest's respective employer. Any guest appearance by representatives of Web3, NFT, crypto, or any other kind of organization does not constitute an endorsement by Native Assets or the guest's respective employer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be mistaken as financial advice. Always conduct your own due diligence and consult a qualified professional when considering any investments of any kind. Great day, great day. Welcome back to the show. Savon Springer, founder and managing partner of Native Assets. And today, man, 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 I'm almost shocked that it took this long to really dive deeper into the Bitcoin ecosystem because as I was just telling our guest here, Regardless how much time I spend looking at Ethereum, how much time I'm spending over in NFT land, Web3 land, the only asset that I have consistently for months and months and months, dollar cost averaged every day is Bitcoin. And that is no coincidence. And thankfully, what we've seen going on with ordinals and inscriptions has really brought the attention to the wider community that are like, hey, there are ways to build applications on top of Bitcoin. There are things that Bitcoin is good at besides being money. And if it is the most powerful, most decentralized computing network on the planet, I mean, that, that, that might be a good enough reason to build some applications on top of it. So I'm grateful today to have in-house one of the best people to speak about with this a man who is helping build out that product ecosystem for Bitcoin, Mr. Mark Hendrickson, product lead at Hero Systems, all the way from Spain. How are you doing today, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. No, no, no. I appreciate you. So if we could, just, just to get on out the gate, can you walk people through what Hero is uh, and what you were doing at Hero and why it is so important for the Bitcoin ecosystem? Yeah, of course. So Hero Systems is a company that's been around now for I think almost a decade, really with a mission of bringing more functionality to Bitcoin. Uh, it's a company that started off in the early days of Bitcoin, trying to figure out how to extend the things you could do with Bitcoin. Uh, the first product was something called One Name, going way back to 2014, I think, I think it was, uh, to provide a naming system on Bitcoin, which, uh, as we know, the last couple of months has become a big thing again. Uh, and since then, has been working on a number of technologies for Bitcoin. Uh, such as launching the Stacks blockchain a couple of years ago, uh, which we view as an L2 for Bitcoin that brings smart contracts to Bitcoin. Uh, but generally speaking, just looking to do more with Bitcoin. Bitcoin, uh, like you say, it's a, it's a very valuable um, type of money, decentralized money, but we think it can, it can do a lot more. And uh, personally, I'm the product lead for the Hero Wallet. Um, again, Hero spelled H-I-R-O. Um, it's a wallet we've been working on now for... I think about three years. Um, so we've we've gone through uh, various iterations. It's a Bitcoin first wallet that also supports Stacks as an L2 for Bitcoin. The last couple of months, we've been really hustling to get uh, ordinal support in place, uh, which we launched several weeks ago. And uh, we're progressively enhancing as we go here, building more features into it, uh, because we believe that uh, ordinals really opens a new chapter for Bitcoin. Mm. Great summary. Now, for those who may not be aware, Stacks, can you talk a little bit more in detail about that? Because I know that in the past there have been other um, solutions that have 
try to fill that gap so the application can be built on Bitcoin. What a lot of people might have heard of is colored coins. I'll be very honest, that was a bit before my time, before I got into the, yeah. to the space. Well. Yeah. Uh, but can you just talk people through that? And and maybe if you could draw the analog, I don't, I don't want to mischaracterize what Hero is. Uh, I was trying to think to myself, is Hero like the consensus of Bitcoin? Is it more like the, the, the MetaMask ecosystem? If you can just kind of wrap people's heads around that. Yeah, I think consensus is a it's a good sort of comparison uh, company from Ethereum. Hero has several different types of products. Um, uh, it has an API just like Infura. Uh, MetaMask is very similar to the Hero wallet uh, uh, experience and mission. Uh, the Stacks blockchain uh, is its own proper blockchain, so it's separate from Bitcoin in the sense that it operates as mining that runs uh, independently, but that settles into Bitcoin, and so it. And certain security properties that it, it gains by working closely with Bitcoin. Bitcoin miners, or I should say, Stacks miners are also interacting with Bitcoin as they go. Uh, and, and this year, actually, we're looking to strengthen that connection. Um, uh, there are folks in the Stacks community that are looking to do a huge upgrade called Nakamoto, in which you can uh, trustlessly wrap Bitcoin onto Stacks and then, then set it back to Bitcoin once you're, you're done with it, uh, so that you can use Bitcoin effectively in smart contracts on Stacks. That's a huge unlock that we're we're all looking for uh, towards, and so um, yeah, it's it's important to distinguish. There's there's here on the company. It's like consensus. We have our products. Uh, we're looking to you know I'm focused on the wallet in particular. Other folks at Hero on other products. We're looking to help promote uh, blockchain based changes, whether they're on Stacks or Bitcoin. But Stacks is itself as a blockchain, an independent, decentralized um, piece of technology, and there are other entities also working on that. Okay, now. If we dive into the wallet here for a second, I actually found out about y'all because I was doing a keynote on Ordinal's own inscriptions. I saw it happening. I gave it like a day or two. I'm like, all right, is this like a pump fake? Is this really a thing? I listened to uh, Casey Rotomore's interview on Bankless, and when he was just describing it to me, I was like, wow. Sometimes the things that, that, that move the needle forward the most are the simplest in concept. Like, hey, how about we give numbers, let's count the Satoshis, you know, and, and what really came from that. And so as I was doing my diligence, I was trying to find the best wallet because I heard of Stacks a few years ago, uh, was going to mint a, a domain name on Bitcoin. I forget what held me up at the time. I think I just didn't have any Stacks in my wallet. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, I'll do it later. Mm -hmm. um, and so then I was coming through and I was looking, I was like, all right, everybody is saying use Sparrow, but holy hell, this is quite the pain in the ass. And uh, it just wasn't working for me. So I came across Hero and was just so impressed from the UX to how simple it was to use. And I, I think, thankfully, we've seen over time that there are kind of some standards now with how people expect to interface with wallets and, and just how uh, fluid it should be. But can you walk the people through what sort of iterations Hero has gone through? And I also want to get to how y'all were able to so quickly add the support for ordinals and inscriptions because... The, the, uh, to, to even now, there aren't that many wallets that support it. So if you could just talk to us a little bit about the wallet product in particular. Yeah, sure. So we did start off as a uh, Stacks-focused wallet a few years ago. So we just had Stacks support. Um, but over the past year, we've been working on Bitcoin support to make it a Bitcoin-first experience. And so coincidentally, uh, as Ordinals came about really the, the start of this year, uh, we were well positioned to to jump on it and support it because we already had 95% of what was needed as a Stacks wallet, as a MetaMask-like experience for Stacks. Uh, we had the ability for users through a browser extension wallet experience, connect with applications, interact with them, see in our wallet uh, NFTs, uh, see the sorts of things that uh, with Ordinals you want to do as well. <clears throat> and so 
Uh, if you think about ordinals like Bitcoin-based NFTs, you want to be able to create them, see them, send them, trade them. We had most of the building blocks already there because of the work we've done both on Stacks and on Bitcoin generally. And ordinals had a few extra things that we had to consider. Uh, you have to, in particular, keep track of just how uh, sats are inscribed with uh, artwork or other forms of data. So there are some sort of trickinesses, tricky sort of things to that that we have to sort of uh, keep track of. But for the most part, it hasn't been sort of a huge lift. It's been more of a user experience thing to make sure that, of course, all the interactions make sense to people. There are different sort of addresses that people have to interact with. Taproot addresses are all of a sudden a thing that most users before didn't have to really worry about, but now they do. But um, but yeah, it hasn't been sort of a, a, a big sort of paradigm change for us. It's been a very sort of natural fit based on what we were doing already. Would it be fair to say that from a uh, culture standpoint, philosophical standpoint at Hero and the team that you you help lead, particular that y'all try to remain as tech agnostic as possible, because as I'm sure you saw, there was a lot of you know a lot of poo pooing about this innovation and some people thinking, oh, yeah. you're yeah. this is a waste of block space versus no, these are the rules and so as long as yeah. the code says so, it should fly. Yeah. Is that something that y'all have fostered intentionally, or was there any sort of moment where y'all had to you know get together and say, hey? We're going to go in this direction of just supporting as much as we can what we feel the user base wants. I feel I know the answer, but mm -hmm. I'm just curious. Yeah, I do think that we're generally agnostic. I, we believe that the market will dictate just how people want to use blockchains in, in general. Uh, but we also have a strong conviction around Bitcoin being the best long-term foundation for uh, not just decentralized money, but also for Web3. And I know that Web3 is usually viewed as a separate thing from Bitcoin, yeah. but we actually think you want to build uh, Web3 and have it uh, last, not just the next few months, not the, just the next couple of years, but for 10, 20 years or generations. We think Bitcoin is the place to do that because we think it has certain properties, security properties that are just unbeatable. And we also believe in that, in that, that, that same belief uh, that it's not just about money, right? So um, we do come at this already with a view that, hey, Bitcoin can be so much more. Why limit ourselves to just, just money? I mean, money is super important, obviously, but there's so much more we can do with distributed decentralized computing. Uh, why not take advantage of uh, the foundation of Bitcoin to do that? And, and that is controversial, I think, uh, among various circles. Uh, but to us, that was already a sort of given. And so ordinals came about and, and sort of poked that question. Everyone was sort of I think a lot of people are starting to ask that question that we've already been asking ourselves for several years now and had an opinion about. Um, but we, we, we believe that Ordinals is, is simply a, a, a window, if you will, into new functionality on Bitcoin as a base layer uh, that um, we want to see people experiment with. And, uh, you know, if, if, um, if people want to transact with Ordinals and they want to pay more fees versus other use cases, then that's their right and they should do that. Amen. And I'm grateful that there are people in that camp because ultimately, um, I'll put it this way. On the website, y'all say that we believe the building apps on Bitcoin is the biggest and most obvious bet in crypto today. <laughs> Yet, we see so much capital going to these other ecosystems. And you could say, oh, it's because of network effects. It's because that's where the users are, this, that, and the third. But ultimately, Bitcoin is number one for a reason. Uh, that's where most of the capital is. But personally, I think that there is this large divergence between the user base right now and how the bulk of Bitcoin's user base, if you want to call it that, is really a holder base at yeah. this moment in time. 
You were lucky about to say yeah. something. Well, I think it's, it's obvious in one way, but I think it's a bit of a contrarian bet as well, because um, why hasn't Bitcoin been used for Web3 yet? Well, I think a lot of people who have been working on Bitcoin, championing Bitcoin, have tried uh, to defend it, protect it uh, against what they view as uh, extended use cases that could threaten the sort of the foundation itself. It's, it's like, okay, great, great foundation. If you build the wrong kind of house on it, it might, it might affect the foundation itself. There have been a lot of people that have been vocal about that sort of protection for Bitcoin. And so then we've seen Web3 move to other chains over the last several years, Ethereum being the most prominent, of course. Um, and I think what we're, what we're saying is that if you believe the foundation is so strong, and I think uh, really hard, hardcore Bitcoiners do believe that, of course, then you should be able to build what you, whatever you want on it, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to sustain that weight. Um, so that I think is why it's obvious to us, but I think, um, there's a cultural thing where a lot of Bitcoiners, uh, they believe that it's a strong foundation, but because they've been in a role of protecting that foundation for so long, that they're, they're sort of in that mode of saying no to new things. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that's, um, that's probably served its purpose to some extent, but I think we need to avoid that limiting us going forward. So I tend to agree. And I think that that was one of the things that most excited me when I did see the Ordinals wave come about as I looked at who in my mind had been probably in theirs too, Bitcoin maximalists for many years, all of a sudden say, you know what, actually, I never had a problem with NFTs. I had a problem with the mischaracterization of what they actually did. You know, and to this day, there's still so many people that look at NFTs on these smart contract platforms and all the things that they think make them great. Like, oh my God, they're permanent, they're durable, you know, boom, boom, bap. And it's like, I mean, actually, <laughs> you know, most of them are not, you know, they're pinned to IPFS or they point to some token mm -hmm. uh, or, or something to resolve it. And that was one of the coolest things about the way that inscriptions or ordinals are set up is they are all by default, out of the box, actually durable, actually on chain mm -hmm. and going back to, all right, we got the strongest computing network that there's ever been thus far, mm -hmm. why not really leverage that? Uh, and I do think, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, a lot of that is a philosophical approach, but I think on the other side of it, a lot of it is, it's just culture, man. And, and I think that for so many people, Ethereum is, is like the water cooler, right? Like that's where their friends are. Mm -hmm. That's where the cool kids hang out. And they just, there, there hasn't really been something to motivate them or a peer group. There's like this fissure. And when Yuka Labs announced that they were going to we put to the side how the auction was done, because I heard about that a couple of days. I was like, how in the hell did they choose that? They could have called up here and be like, look, we uh, we just need a cool little auction mechanism. Can you whip that up for us? Um, but to me, that was like, all right, now we see some extra validation from parties that have not been natively building on Bitcoin. And I don't see how that doesn't create this kind of onlooker effect of like, all right, damn, well, me too. I got to go now too. You know, and, mm -hmm. and then that just dri yeah. drive more people in and more people in. From for, As far as what you can communicate, have y'all noticed any sort of sea change beginning to happen where folks, uh, companies, organizations that people be familiar with that are traditionally building on Ethereum, have you started to see more inbound to Hero where they're like, mm -hmm. hey, we need custom solutions. Can you help us? What does that look like? Yeah, for sure. Just the last, last couple of weeks, we've gotten uh, a lot of inbound from marketplaces on other chains, uh, whether it's Ethereum or other L1s. Uh, NFT marketplaces that wants to support ordinals and they need uh, wallets that will support the interactions that uh, traders require. So uh, it's been fantastic because 
Again, we are historically a Stacks community-oriented wallet, but uh, with the intent to, to broaden into Bitcoin uh, and have a, a sort of agnostic sort of view, if you will, as to whether Stacks should even be involved, I think we want as much as possible to take place on Bitcoin as an L1 uh, first. Only if Stacks is needed, then they can come into play. What we've seen is a number of companies, uh, because of the excitement around ordinals, already reach out and say, hey, uh, we're interested. We'd like, like to, to integrate. And um, I'm really hopeful here that in a few months, we're going to have uh, integrations with various types of marketplaces and apps that traditionally have been from different chains. And we have a really nice cross-chain experience and mm-hmm. uh, cultural exchange as well. Like I'm having conversations with people and uh, seeing how they do things, like they're seeing how we're doing things and uh, we're cross-pollinating, which um, is a really beautiful thing to see. So did I just hear you say the OpenSea is going to support ordinals? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if I said any names. No, 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 no. That's that's exciting to hear. And I think this is what, you know, these are the moments people have been waiting on is really saying, hey, because just like some people um, recently with the, the 4337 standard that's come out um, on Ethereum, people are, oh my God, this is going to fix so many of the onboarding issues. Here come the next billion users. I kind of step back. I'm like, uh, I mean, it might make some things easier, but ultimately mm-hmm. it's not about just the onboarding in and of itself. That is a major part, but it's about the reason. Is there a reason for people to want to use this technology? And like I said a few moments ago, NFTs, what they're supposed to do, being able to tokenize anything, whether it be uh, something that exists in the real world or an abstract concept is phenomenal. It's just, if you're really going to do it, if we can fix some of the hurdles around expressivity and flexibility as far as ordinals and inscriptions go, there is no better place to do it than on Bitcoin and seeing integrations with these more prominent marketplaces that do have that lead in market share and that network effect, uh, that can only accelerate that adoption because now it's not people going out of their way to find Gamma or find Ordinal's marketplace or something like that and kind of get sketched out just because they're unfamiliar with it, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's one of the biggest things that y'all have going for you all is the how clean everything is, how organized everything is. You can tell that it's a company. I didn't even realize y'all had been around for 10 years, but that mm-hmm. reflects and how the company carries mm-hmm. itself. And there are other wallet solutions out there where it's like, was this just some like savvy coder who just with this up, threw it out on the internet. Yep. Um, so that's really exciting to hear that that sort of things are yeah. coming down the road. Um, now, from a, were you about to say something? I was going to say, I think I expect the, the sort of big marketplaces to probably come in and support sort of the table stakes interactions, like the things you really need to do to trade uh, ordinals. Uh, we'll probably see them innovate um, to a large extent as well uh, over the next few months. But I think you're going to see a sort of a a smaller set of marketplaces as well that are willing to take certain chances and uh, experiment in an even more aggressive manner as to what you can do with uh, the technology. So I'm, I was just going to say, I think I'm looking forward to sort of, sort of seeing that the big big players and the small players hash this out, uh, compete, and sort of hash hash out just what's possible uh, with Bitcoin and, and ordinals on the L1. And and again, it's an L2 uh, Bitcoin layer um, question as far as stacks or anything else. I think we're seeing a lot of innovation on the, in that space as well. Um, not just stacks, but we're seeing you know, roles being proposed based on ordinals. And I think um, uh, there's, as demand increases and more activity takes place on Bitcoin, we're going to see prices go up as well, of course. And so naturally, people are going to look for, for L2 types of, types of solutions. And we'll see a similar dynamic as what we've seen on, on Ethereum play out. Wow. Wow to think about all of that. 
to this point in time, how has y'all's um, integration or infrastructure around Lightning, what does that look like? Yeah, so we had a plan for this year, and we've had some discussions as to how we want to integrate it. Um, my, my guess is we roll it out sometime in Q2 of this year. Um, it's important, of course, to, to speed up interactions. Um, uh, we have to figure out exactly how we want to uh, fold it into the experience around ordinals and, and stacks and um, the, the trustless wrapping of Bitcoin onto the stacks. So there's a variety of questions we want to to sift through first, but um, but yeah, it's not priority for us this year to, to support it. Inside of the the developer community on Bitcoin, because I'm I'm definitely not a developer, and you know my resolution or my my proximity to this varies over time. How would you say, just from your vantage as Mark, not necessarily as anybody you know working at, at Hero, how would you say the adoption of Lightning is going? Because I know that some people. That's that's what a lot of folks spoke to was like, no, this is this is why Bitcoin can scale and everybody can use it every day for every sort of interaction. And you'll be getting streamed micropayments in real time for your podcast based on listeners and this, that and the third. But similar thing. I think there's been a dearth uh, or a shortage rather of seeing actual applications that leverage this in a really powerful way. So what is your advantage on that? Do you have any thoughts as to why that is, even though Lightning is a very Bitcoin native uh, solution in the sense of the people who were really championing it? Yeah, I mean, I'm not um, not too focused on the actual uh, day usage of Lightning and just whether it's it's sort of large enough for us to support or not. Um, I think where it should be that because if you have Lightning that can facilitate faster interactions for Web3 uh, for applications, um, there will be emerging use cases that might supercharge Lightning usage. Um, so we view it as a, a building block. Um, in principle, it's a, it's a beautiful building block for us to incorporate. Um, and it's important, I think, to have it in there in principle uh, to support various ways, various L2s to Bitcoin, um, not just stacks, but Lightning and others that will emerge. And see how, uh, see what the sort of pros and cons are to each and how they perform in support of Web3. And so, so, yeah, I couldn't tell you, you know, just what the latest data is as far as traction for Lightning and what the use cases are, because I think we're looking for new emergent use cases, given that our thesis here is to bring Web3 to Bitcoin. Now, stepping back for a second, we talked about ordinals, inscriptions, that sort of thing. What else would you say? Um, people should be aware of as it comes to applications or things that they can do on Bitcoin, interacting with something like Hero Wallet or just the the Hero architecture at large. I know we mentioned earlier there are naming domains available. There are marketplaces for things like NFTs even before ordinals came about. What else would you say people should be aware of uh, if if they're not or they're not really very familiar with the Bitcoin ecosystem from an application standpoint? Yeah, for sure. Well, something called the, the Bitcoin naming system, BNS, which is um, it's a domain, a decentralized domain system on stacks uh, that's been around for now several years. Uh, again, here going back uh, 10 years, started working on this in its early days. And the current form, I think, has been around for about five or six years. Has a lot of attention, a lot of interest. The BNS community is, is very active. Uh, there's a lot of technology built out around it as far as the smart contracts on stacks powering uh, various, use, various, use, various use cases for BNS. And I think what we've seen with ordinals is that um, there are other projects that have uh, sprouted up around registering domain names on Bitcoin. Um, 
I think what we're seeing is we're trying to figure out just how much of that should be on L1 versus L2. I think the L2, uh, BNS being on the L2, it gives you a lot of functionality, a lot of, um, uh, capabilities that you don't yet see, uh, on L1 and you, you probably can't see uh, the certain stuff you can, you can do on L1, uh, with ordinals, uh, and, and certain things that you can't do. Um, but I think that as a space is very interesting. And I think we're going to see how applications leverage BNS, um, both in its current form as uh, a stacks based uh, system, uh, and how I think community members are going to uh, build in hooks uh, to to L1 uh, to to Bitcoin as an L1, uh, whether it's replicating data from stacks to Bitcoin uh, you know, via ordinals uh, um, or vice versa, pulling data from Bitcoin into stacks and complementing what's already there. <clears throat> and so, yeah, BNS is. It's a last year. I think BNS was our top use case, if not one of the top use cases. Um, and it's it, uh, decentralized identity in general. I think is. I think we've seen various waves in crypto um, the last several years. We had DeFi summer a few few summers ago. NFTs really took off a couple of years ago, and I think decentralized identities are are posed to be one of those next big waves. And so we're watching it very carefully. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, my assumption is that most of the things that people are familiar with or that they've been able to do on something like Ethereum naming service, most of that same core functionality is possible on BNS. So things like uh, resolving a domain uh, to say, hey, all right, instead of giving you my long Bitcoin address, I just give you my domain name and then you can send me that. Uh, you can use it as a website uh, domain name. Some people are creating like subdomain yeah. names underneath top don't, it's a little bit sometimes over my head. I just kind of like uh, yeah. high level understand it, but same capability set in theory, just with the security foundation of Bitcoin, more or less, correct? Yeah, I'd say in a nutshell. Um, we just rolled out last week the ability to send Bitcoin to BNS names, so dot BTC names, Beautiful. so you don't have to use somebody's uh, long address whenever you want to interact with them. Uh, we're seeing other projects as well that um, are pushing forward names for websites, uh, for other use cases. And so, um, yeah, same principle applies. I think a lot of the same innovation you're seeing in ENS, but using Bitcoin as the as the foundation there and um, uh, you know, imbuing it with the properties of Bitcoin and the culture of Bitcoin. Mm. So another kind of philosophical question here, as you might have guessed, sometimes I just like to or, or notice at this point, just just see yeah. you know where the thoughts are. If we extrapolate this out, we all know where things stand today, but if we extrapolate this out X many years, do you see a world where these sort of innovations from a user experience standpoint and a usability standpoint make things like Ethereum and some of these other chains obsolete? Because some people take that very like, you know, zero sum game framework that says, hey, because of these other pre-existing conditions of Bitcoin in a positive sense, its qualities, other things will become unnecessary or redundant once Bitcoin's infrastructure catches up. Personally, do you see the, the rationality there? Do you think that we wind up, even when all this functionality is built into Bitcoin, that there are still reasons for Ethereum uh, to exist and be used? Do you think all roads lead to Bitcoin? Uh, just how do you how do you see it from your vantage? Yeah, I don't I don't think I'm absolutist in the sense that I don't think 
even if we're massively successful in promoting Web3 on Bitcoin and um, large-scale applications and use cases are established there, I don't think that necessarily other chains are going to be squeezed out and will go to zero. I think um, each blockchain has its own set of uh, properties, uh, its uh, sort of pros and cons uh, relative to a given to given use cases. And so um, I think Ethereum with proof of stake long-term will probably find a number of use cases that are sustainable uh, alongside Bitcoin. I, I, I don't see a reason why it has to be an either or. Um, uh, just how that plays out and just what the use cases are, um, couldn't tell you. I think we're seeing the creative pro process at play uh, year, year, year to year basis. Um, but yeah, no, I don't take uh, such a maximalist position that um, that uh, you know, everything else goes to zero. I don't think that's <laughs> that's that's something that anyone can um, really predict with a lot of uh, uh, predictability. I think it's it, it it becomes a bit of a. I think if you think that way, then you might have a bit of a travel lens that's probably <laughs> in the way of your sort of the lack of information that we we hold today in twenty twenty three. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree, and, and I'm glad that people building uh, over at Hero, uh, at least yourself, are also approaching it from from that rational standpoint. Hey, we can be successful, but so can these other yeah. places for different reasons. The pie has to grow. I mean, in crypto, we we come, we we're often so focused on the competitive, you know, this chain or that chain, and this product or that product. The pie is still so relatively small compared to where we want it to be 10, 20 years from now. So. The pie will grow and we're going to grow it. And that's the most important thing. We're going to grow for everybody. Um, I'm less concerned about you know, uh, who ends up with a bigger slice at the end of the day. Amen. Uh, two, two, I guess, technical uh, adjacent questions. And then we'll probably be close to wrapping up here. Just finishing, put, put a button on, on this thought right here. As I see it right now, I personally am not sure that DeFi in the sense of how we see it today, or the tokenization, so projects issuing their own tokens. I am not as confident that that is something that will really gain a lot of traction on Bitcoin down the road. Now, on the other side of that, and the reason I say it is one, because of just how good Ethereum is at doing that, and how big that ecosystem is at this point. But the flip of that is, if everything ultimately got converted back to Bitcoin, and Bitcoin was the base pair for a lot of these transactions, that would be pretty compelling in my mind uh, because it is, you know, from my standpoint, I think most people, it's hard to argue it. The one of the, the best forms of money we've ever had, if not the best. Some people argue that the triple asset thesis of Ethereum. And I'm like, ah, I mean, that, that's compelling, mm -hmm. uh, but it's still not Bitcoin. Um, so I think that, that could be a reason for it to gain a lot of traction. But uh, in a world where down the road, you know, we, we see how the development goes. I feel like that is something that still would have a lot of good traction on Ethereum. And at that point, there'd probably be really great bridging functionality between these networks so that you wouldn't have to do everything mm -hmm. on Bitcoin. It can lighten that load a bit and uh, also hopefully reduce some of the, the scammy behavior that comes about mm -hmm. because a lot of these tokens that get created. Um, now, the, the, the other technical question, um, just out of curiosity, 
Do you think that Hero will ever put itself in a situation or, or is thinking about, from a product standpoint, a way to ease the onboarding flow for people to set up their own nodes for the Bitcoin network, nodes or validators? Because I feel like, as it stands today, mm -hmm. that's still a big hurdle for people. And that was one of the things on my list, like this year, I need to get that set up uh, as mm -hmm. someone who believes in Bitcoin long term. From from the, the higher end uh, lens of Hero, mm -hmm. is that something that has been in discussions or is that something y'all have already built? Yeah, I think um, uh, broadly speaking, uh, as a company, Hero could be interested in that. Uh, Hero has, again, like uh, being the consensus like entity uh, mm -hmm. for Stacks and Bitcoin. Um, we have developer tooling. Uh, we have um, we, have, we have a whole suite of products, not just products for the the daily end user, the, the sort of user of applications or the DeFi user, or whatever it is. <clears throat> so I think the Helping with provision of nodes um, is in there in the overall suite. I guess as a as a wallet provider or someone who's focused on the wallet um, at Hero, um, it's probably not as um, short term or medium term relevant in the sense that I don't I don't think our focus would go there for that the average end user. Um, which in Bitcoin is maybe a little bit of a controversial thing to say because lots of uh, more hardcore Bitcoiners say that that's what you should do, right? And so um, I think we distinguish ourselves from that and that we we don't want to put that on users. We, we want to be a lighter client for them uh, that will rely on <coughs> other resources. I think over time we do perhaps want to roll in that sort of functionality um, into the wallet so that you are less dependent on, on other nodes and other indexers. So there's not, a, there's not a black and white sort of, I think, stance there. I think over time, we might want to maybe build towards um, more running your own node-like capabilities. Uh, but I don't think we're going to jump towards that as like a, a prerequisite for anybody. Um, so yeah, but I think probably speaking at Hero, interesting for non-end users as far as providing it. That is easy to do sort of thing. Uh, on the wall team, probably not for a while. Um, it's probably not going to be our focus. No, no, that makes perfect sense. Optimizing for user experience oftentimes means leaving the, the heavier stuff, the more technical stuff yeah. abstracted in the background so that experience is just more more fluid. I think that's part of why yeah. people uh, often gravitate towards Apple. You know, it's not that you can't do certain things, but sometimes they make it quite a pain in the ass to be able to do certain things that are a lot easier to do in something like Linux or an Android, or I mean, Android is Linux um, or Windows. Cool. So we are about the, at the end of the, the questions that I had before you let the people know where they can get in contact with you, where they can download the wallet, anything else on your mind that you want to let the the, the big, broad Ethereum world know about uh, that you think should be on their minds as it relates to what y'all have going on a Hero or Bitcoin more broadly? I would just maybe uh, send out an invitation, come use the products. Um, let us know what you think. We're, we're uh, hungry for feedback. Um, would love to hear about the things that you're used to uh, interacting, interacting with uh, Ethereum-based wallets or applications that you'd love to see uh, in Hero wallets or, or the applications that we integrate with. Um, it's uh, Ordinals has been we've been shot out of a rocket here in the last couple of months, so we're running very fast and trying to build things, build the tracks as we go here. And so um, every bit of input uh, makes a difference, and we'll take it seriously. 
Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you making the time, Mark. Um, for everybody who's interested, if you go to hero, H-I-R-O dot S-O is the website. And then if you go to the, the products link, I believe it is, then you can see a drop down and you can find Hero Wallet there. If you set up a MetaMask, it is literally as easy. In some ways, it might be even easier um, to do so. And, and I would recommend you do that. And that's also one of the best ways to get started running with ordinals and inscriptions, let alone be able to just, you know, custody and use your Bitcoin in a way that's easier than trying to pull up your ledger all the damn time. Um, so awesome. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate you. I appreciate Thank your you. time. And uh, I look forward to us doing this again when uh, when the, yeah, uh, the the tables have turned a bit and people are like trying yeah. to fight that ground for Bitcoin. Uh, I, I love we'll do this. Amen. 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 All right. You take care, brother. You too.